and welcome to episode 19 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib. And neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we get to the episode, let's award the much vaunted Expertise is Overrated tinfoil award. As a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. This is a good one. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually really happy about this one because you're you're getting it, obviously, and it's not even for like the subject matter we discussed. That's because <laughs> there's nothing stupid to be said about um, Firefly. Firefly, you know, that's very true. That is, that is actually a very good point. Yeah, there's nothing. It's the the only stupid thing you can say about Firefly is that it's not good. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's just like you, we know we'd be trolling if that's what you're yeah. actually you know, saying. Um, that's not what so, I'm saying. Sadly. That's not what you said. No, you said, you asserted that the action in Buffy is bad. Um, and I maintain that it is, and yeah, that well, you're remembering it through rose-tinted glasses. You're, you're, you're entitled to your very wrong opinion. <laughs> you, no, you just remember the one bit with the pool cue that you described. Yes, the bit that just does not in any way pay heed to the laws of physics. Oh, yes, because having vampires is, you know, perfectly legit. One of these days, you and I are going to have a conversation about verisimilitude. I'm sure we will. Um, one day we'll also have a tinfoil off, and you will and have I will win all both of those conversations. <laughs> no, um, I did say that, and I, I stand by it, but I, I also understand that you can't say bad things about people's childhoods anymore. So, you know, I've, I, I upset Quite. you, and I apologize. <laughs> Uh, no, I think more to, more to the point is that, uh, as you say, there was just nothing bad to say about Yeah, we did life. have to scrape. We did have to yeah. scrape. So if we missed something stupid, let us know. Let us know. Tweet us at Zero Expertise. Absolutely. Uh, how about, Speaking of letting us know. Yeah. What have you got for us? What have I got for us? Not, not very much. We had a bit of a chat about Sean Bean a couple of episodes ago. We did and, indeed. Um, great man. And Ellie, my, my friend and, and previous guest, pointed out that uh, when we were talking about him him running a chip shop, she's fairly sure that he's just the tram announcer in Sheffield, which is <laughs> so good. Sean Bean, I think, just owns that town, essentially. I, th- I think that's actually true. Uh, and, and rightly so. He's a, he's a fantastic gentleman. <laughs> what an excellent bit of feedback that is. It's just so random. Yes, yeah, <laughs> completely... Sort of unconnected from the 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 subject matter of the episode, it was more just yeah. Here's here's another cool fact about Sean Bean. Yeah, nice to know Ellie was uh, listening to our in depth conversation about the things that actually matters. I'm fairly <laughs> sure that Ellie would respond that the only thing we've ever spoken about that matters is Sean Bean. Yeah, and the things that she said when she uh, guested on an episode <laughs> when she was wrong <laughs> when she was very wrong. Uh, we also have from our Discord server, uh, CT, who informs us that um, you were in fact wrong, and I was in fact right about Robert Downey Jr. appearing in a post credit scene in The Incredible Hulk. How do you feel about that? Didn't happen. Yeah. Untrue. Yeah, yeah. See, you're, you're, you're one of those people who's just so wrong, they they never mm. know what's right. <laughs> that, that is That is true. Um, Which will make this episode incredible, by the way. Oh, it's going to be It's going to be an absolute no. shambles because I've led you to believe that I know nothing about the Horus Heresy. Which will be yes, you have really fun. Well, just just very quickly on that, um, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. being in the Incredible Hulk post-credit scene. F- fair enough, I was wrong about that. In my defence, I've never seen the film, uh, so <laughs> as is tradition on this particular <laughs> podcast, <laughs> I was I was asserting strongly without <laughs> any evidence whatsoever. But, I mean, I guess my my broader point is that I still maintain that The Incredible Hulk, having despite having not seen it, is not true canon of, of the MCU. No, I, no, I, I the, think Marvel treats it that way as well. No, but this, no, this is the thing, right? Because it is, a, it is officially listed in their phase one. I guess, and it does but, have Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Iron Man in it, yeah, but, it but I think you're have right. Mark Ruffalo it's not, in it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have Mark <laughs> Ruffalo, and it doesn't. It also, as you said, I'm pretty sure it isn't made by Marvel Entertainment. I don't think it was. It's like in conjunction with Marvel. Yeah. Right? So, so you, you're you're half right. I don't. 
But more no, importantly, you're also half wrong. So half right is about as good as we ever get on expertise is overrated. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty pretty good going for us. <laughs> <laughs> Except in this case, where I was entirely right. So yeah. you were, you were. Uh, well done. I know, isn't it you great? Can have a cookie. I think people should just refer to me as the correct one from now on. Don't do that. I mean, do people do should. not. People do really not do should. That. That's that's upsetting. Well, let's move on then. Please. Can we? <laughs> well, you know, famous last words. Or yeah, I, I said that. What I, looked, I was saying is, <laughs> I looked at our, I looked at our topic, and now I'm upset again. Why? Why are you upset? Why are you upset? Well, last time we talked Warhammer 40k, you said an awful lot of stupid shit. All right, Mister Fulgrim is a painting. That's <laughs> demonstrably no longer canon. <laughs> Everybody who knows anything about 40k would know. Yeah, that didn't go down particularly <laughs> well at all on the um the various subreddits that I managed to get that managed to sneak that episode onto. Um, can, can we talk about that for a brief no, second? So actually, yeah, quick side note. If you run a fan focused website or subreddit and people come to you and say, We're talking about the thing that you like, can we tell people about it? The only correct answer to that, unless you know that the people that are asking to share it are assholes, is yes. Right? That's how communities grow. I, I 100% agree. And this has nothing at all to do with the fact that we tried to share our podcast on the Warhammer subreddit, so we're told that we couldn't because we didn't participate in the community enough up until that point. But in our defense, we had nothing to say until that point. And, e- and even then, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 quite frustrating because um, particularly a hobby like Warhammer, which is all I, about yeah. uh, buying things, and it's such a rich lore, and people want to discuss the lore, and they do discuss the lore on Reddit all the time. But until there's a whole were, subreddit dedicated yeah. to talking about the lore of 40k. But apparently, a podcast discussing the lore of 40k isn't welcome. No, no, Emperor forbid. That's just you know, travesty, heresy, all the all 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 the bad things. It's really, it's really frustrating. Mm. I, I just basically, this also means big shout out to the mods at uh, the Dresden Files and the Cosmere, various yeah. Cosmere subreddits, yeah. and in fact the Song of Ice and Fire uh, su- uh, subreddit as well. Who, when we asked permission, and it's always you should always ask permission uh, to post a link to to our relevant episodes, were incredibly supportive and incredibly helpful. And so, yeah, you got you guys are great. And if your response is to send the Reddit terms of use about self promotion, fair enough. I mean, uh, yeah, en- enjoy your unpaid job moderating yeah. it. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, no, I mean it's yeah. Moving we're obviously on, coming. On. We're obviously coming at this from the point of we've got a podcast which we'd quite like to to grow, sure. and it's not an easy task at the best of times. Um, and so obviously we will feel a bit hard done by. Um, but, but what really gets me is, if I'm a Warhammer fan, I would go on to places like Reddit to see, oh, maybe there's some podcasts, or maybe there's YouTube channels that talk about this sort of thing. But will I find it on their subreddit? Well, no, because they, they don't let you post there. So they don't let me. it's just bad for everyone involved, really, I think. I think I think so. And I yeah, I understand the need to keep shameless self-promoters out. I think there's a difference between people who are like, here is my podcast, pay us on, pay me on Patreon, donate to my tip jar, whatever that is, and people who are just genuinely trying to reach people. Uh, and I think yeah, yeah. engaging engaging brains would, would assist. But anyway, that's, Indeed. That's, a, that's a short rant on civilizing the internet, which I'm, I have no doubt I will come back to at many points. Yeah. Also, but, welcome to the uh, aforementioned 40k and Warhammer subreddit mods who might be listening to this. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you want to you reach suck. out and explain explain your policy, that's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with you, but <laughs> just no, look, dropping the bat on it. Sorry. Let's, let's get to the matter. Let's move on. We've, we've been on this for a couple <laughs> of minutes now. So, the Horus Heresy. Indeed. So, you've written here... We're discussing the causes of the Horus Heresy in the Warhammer 40k universe, which is absolutely true. But confusingly, the Horus Heresy doesn't happen 
In 40k. In 40k. It happens happens 10,000 years before. To put that in context, that's what? The the old kingdom of Egypt? To predate that? Are we talking Mesopotamia? Now, you somehow managed to get me to say, what, maybe 10 minutes in? It's because the numbers don't make any sense. <laughs> applies applies to time as much as troop numbers. <laughs> no, it it does. But yeah, that's. I think that's they, for, for ease, they've just said, "Well, forty k is easy to say, thirty k is easy to say." Yeah. Let's just say it was thirty k. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's probably probably true. But uh, but that's by the by. So no, but you are of course quite right. The Warhammer forty k universe is the universe that was essentially, yeah, a. a, a a consequence of obviously what happened before, and the major event, certainly the way the Games Workshop was mm. selling it, is the Horus Heresy. Yes, I think I think that's right. According to Games Workshop's recent uh, selling tactics, the only two events that ever happened in the Warhammer 40k history are the Necron War in Heaven and the Horus Heresy. Yeah, that's and it. I wouldn't honestly put it past them to to somehow make those two the same things. <laughs> Not the sure how they're going to do it, but backwards through time. Yeah, I don't know. Dan Abner or someone's going to make it happen. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, he probably could. But we, we we've been accused, particularly when talking about Warhammer, of being quite sort of jumping in at the deep end. So I guess what we need, what we quite. should do before we talk about the causes of the Horus Heresy, is give people who don't know anything about it, a classic expertise is overrated, 15-minute primer on the Horus Heresy, I think. So, who is Horus, I guess, is the first question? Son of the Emperor. Sure, I guess that'll do. (laughs) Who is the Emperor, one might ask. (laughs) Yes, who is the Emperor, one might ask. You're really helping me here. Uh, well, I mean, who is the emperor is a very, very big question. It, it is, but I, I guess for the moment, at least, we the, the emperor is an immortal human-ish being, probably. Yeah, I think the possibly least objectionable, although the most or least complicated way of saying it, he as he's a he's an immortal human. Mm-hmm. Who is very psychically powerful, which is the Warhammer forty k equivalent of just being magic. Magic, yeah, magic, absolutely. Um, and because of that, he's essentially just taken over not only the world but all of humanity. Yes. So this this all takes place thirty thousand or twenty eight thousand years in the future, and so humanity has gone through a sort of great expansion into the stars reached a, some level of technological ascendancy and then everything went to hell in a handbasket. Everything contracted down and all the sort of individual isolated worlds of humanity were isolated uh, from each other for a very long time. And then all of that started to clear and then the Emperor took over Earth, or Terra, as it's called in the 40k universe, and then essentially decided to re-expand the borders of his empire and reunite the scattered people of humanity. Yeah. That's the propaganda version, I guess, of what happened. (laughs) Oh, I like where that's heading. (laughs) In in so to help him in in this in this grand endeavor, this great crusade across the stars. No, if you call your attempt to reunite scattered peoples of humanity a crusade, you're not starting off on the work. Yeah, it's, that's always been a weird one on me, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so he he you he creates twenty or well, twenty one genetically superior, phenomenally superior individuals who are the Primarchs who we discussed in our earlier episode and in, in, in which we ranked them all. You should so definitely th- go and listen to that. Which absolutely okay. go and listen to because actually after listening to this it might make more sense. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> the Primarchs are sort of variously talked of as like essentially demigods. That's the they're they're not a million miles away from the sort of Greek heroes of the of, of so the heroes of ancient Greece. I think is is actually quite a good way of thinking of them. These sort of larger than life characters who can do things that that normal humans can't even think about. That's actually quite the analogy, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, except except where you know in in Greece it was Zeus just you know. Being merry, um, banging this, his this way is, around the island. Yeah. So I didn't want to say that, uh, but that's exactly what he did. Uh, whereas <laughs> we in this, the explicit tag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas in this scenario, it is, it is very much the emperor. They're, they're creations uh, of science. They're creations yeah. of science. For the record, as well, the, the emperor is pretty much just known as the emperor. Yes. Do we know his name? Does anyone no. know? Does he even know his name? So I think there are people who know his name. Uh, so someone like. Uh, John Grammaticus or Ol Pearson or probably Malkador probably all know his name but I would wager for example even so they're all sorry they're all perpetual so other immortal humans um, but I would wager like Valdor Constantine Valdor who's one he of the first, would, yeah. first genetically uh, modified creatures or humans that the, the emperor creates i would wager he doesn't know the emperor's name i think Do the primarchs know i wonder no i bet they don't no i bet they don't either but we're, we're, yeah, i guess we're magnus might magnus magnus knows everything and nothing well exactly so but, but, so the, the, going back to the primarchs the primarchs are each embody a facet of the, of the emperor right so he makes 21 Two of them we never know anything about and they're expunged from all records, which is Games Workshop's way of allowing you to make your own first founding chapter of Space which, which is quite clever, actually. It's very clever. I think it's very it. clever. But in, in some senses, if, if, if we do take it at face value that the Primarchs all represent some sort of facet of the Emperor, the fact that we had to get rid of two is, is maybe quite telling, actually. Well, one wonders... You have to sort of work out what's missing... Yeah, and is it the the slightly darker sides to his mm. personality that doesn't really want known, Perhaps. or maybe sides of himself that he doesn't recognize, and therefore when those guys came out, he was like, "Well, fuck that." <laughs> no, I yeah, I think there's 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 some really interesting conversations to be had about the the unknown. I mean, the emperor is is interesting in in general. I think we could do many episodes. I, I on think him. so. I think so. So, come, coming coming to the meat of it, Horus is one of the primarchs. And he's often described as the best of them, the brightest star. He is Lucifer in the early Christian myth, essentially. He's he's the Emperor's greatest angel. I mean, nobody in their right mind says that, but yes, go on. I mean, it, the, the Horus Heresy books describe him as such. Yes, but um, they are also called the Horus Heresy. <laughs> so, yes. And then as, as, as Lucifer analogues are wont to do... He falls. And it, I guess his fall is what we should really spend some time today discussing. But in falling, he doesn't only fall, but he takes fully half, technically half plus one, because Alpharius, Omegon is weird. But um, <laughs> he takes fully half of his brothers with him and wages the greatest civil war that ever was or will be. Probably in humanities, in certainly in humanities history, quite possibly in galactic history. Well, we'll and never know because it's it's entirely human centric. <laughs> true, true. And I'm Nothing pretty sure the orcs would have a thing or two to say about civil. I'm war. not sure orcs can do a civil war though. Uh, maybe not actually. It's just, it's just their base state. Yeah. But so yeah, he he wages this mighty civil war, which is called the Horus Heresy, um, which is itself inter- an interesting choice of terminology. Uh, and no, it's just alliterative, it, that's why. <laughs> basically. And breaks the Imperium of Man for the next 10,000 years. He loses in the end, as you quite rightly pointed out in our Primarchs episode. He, he fails to accomplish his goals and, and just dies, which is quite funny. But he does successfully wound the Emperor to such an extent that he hasn't recovered 10,000 years 
in the future. Load, loads of Primarchs die, uh, some fall to chaos and become demons. It's it's quite something, really. It's a massive event, and as you said, it's the shaping event of the 40k universe. Yeah, it really, it really fucks up humanity. It absolutely uh, does. Irrevocably. Uh, whatever great plans the Emperor had at the time uh, no longer exist, or certainly not in a time frame that's uh, practical for us to think about. No. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's it's a cataclysm of, of possibly as epic a proportion as what happened to the Eldar, perhaps. I think so. Um, which we will get to in a future episode, I imagine. That's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. It'll be a short um, episode because there's not much material on it. Well, yeah, that's that's part of the problem, I suppose. Um, but I guess the first question I have for you, okay, is should it be called the Horus Heresy? If if we accept that the logic is he was the the first to fall, well. So I think I think the argument is he's not. Well, quite, yeah. So I th- I think it's probably right to say, and the timelines of the Horus Heresy are complicated, so I crave indulgence as I muddle them. But I think Lorgar falls first. Certainly, he's got to be known for something, right? And I think certainly that's one probably of, the thing he should be known for. <laughs> one of the one of the books that focuses on him is called the First Heretic. So that sort of implies he falls first, at least amongst the Primarchs. But even then, it's it's hard to really pinpoint who falls at exactly what moment. It is all very muddled. It, I th- what I think we, we do know is that some of Lorgar's legion, so each of the Primarchs is the general of a legion of superhuman, or transhuman is the term, warriors, called Space Marines. Uh, they're the guys with the big shoulder pads, that Games Workshop are always trying to sell you. Don't buy them, it's just crack Space for adults. Marines. It's just crack for adults. Crack for adults? That's not right. All cracks for adults. Well, you would argue it's it's for no one. <laughs> <laughs> um but yes, so each of the each of the Primarchs is 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 the leader of one of these these legions. And Lorgar, who's one of the Primarchs, his legion is the word bearers. They start off worshipping the Emperor as a god. The Emperor is not happy with this because he's all about, at least in at the time of the, the, the Great Crusade, he's all about the doctrine of the Imperial Truth, which is that there are no gods, there are no demons, uh, science is the way that, hu- that humanity progresses rather than religion. So he chastises Lorgar for worshipping him as a god, and that forces Lorgar into the hands of the Chaos Gods. Lorgar recognizes them as de- deity level powers and starts worshipping them. And his legion follow him. And it's one of his legions, Erebus, who is part of and arguably instrumental in Horus's own fall to Chaos. Clearly. Yeah, he's he's the random guy who's like always there, isn't he? He's all he yeah, he's he's always there and yeah. he's he pops up so often at at pivotal moments what look like pivotal moments in the story to push things in the worst direction. Yeah, I, I always remembered him being kind of jarring. Right, and, and there's I think there's something to be said about uh, the Black Library. So this is the the, the sort of annex of Games Workshop that's in charge of writing. It's Games Workshop's the, in-house the publisher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Horus Heresy is now a series of I don't even know how many books. Fifty, fifty odd. Yeah, yeah, it's huge series, massive money spinner. Um, but when you like me start reading the first book of the Horus Heresy going into it without no real knowledge other than what you read in the, in the the codices that yes, the Horus Heresy is a thing that happened mm-hmm. but that's more or less all you know about it <laughs> except yeah. for what your particular chapter would have or you know, your you, particular Space like, Marine chapter did the broad strokes are there I think, and they're, they're yeah. pretty unambiguous 
But you sort of go into it and you think, yeah, all these legions are kind of separate and they do their own thing, obviously working together to, to you know, achieve an overarching goal. Yeah. But then I remember this this random dude, Yedis Erebus, is just there. And I, the entire time I was like, why is this guy here? Like, this this is so strange. Like, is he actually there? Is he some sort of weird psychic projection? So, um, And he's obviously, as you say, he's, he's entirely instrumental in just fucking everything up. <laughs> it's... To, to understand... Erebus, we actually have to take a, a pretty large step back to what I'm going to assert, if we ignore the creation of the Primarchs and assume that that's a necessity and they have to come out the way they do, I think the event that really drives the Horus Heresy is actually the Council of Nakia. So this is a, oh yeah, remind me of that. That rings so, a bell. Yeah, so the Council of Nakia it takes place in something like the first year of the thirty-first millennium, I think, and it is essentially a trial, or it's meant to be a debate, but it comes out as a as a trial as to whether or not space marines should employ psychic, i.e., magical power. Oh yes, that's in battle. One, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It's essentially Magnus the Red, who's the Primarch of one of the uh, legions, the Thousand Sons, who is a pu- almost purely psychic being. He embodies the Emperor's own psychic power. That's his facet of the Emperor. Argues in favour of the use of, of psychic powers yeah, as, it's funny as weapons, that, isn't it? <laughs> shockingly, um, and loses. And what sign em- is the emperor on in that debate? So, so the emperor sits as judge, and he is the one who proclaims the Edict of Nakia, which is that no Space Marine Legion will maintain a, a Librarius division. So the librarians are the ones who use psychic power. But interesting. Does he cast a vote, or is he is he purely impartial? He doesn't vote. He just he just declares. He's, yeah. His is the only voice that speaks. So, so when you say trial, act. it's really just a declaration. Well, <laughs> so so Magnus and a number of other Primarchs speak. A number of other Space Marine, uh, number number of librarians speak who are not uh, Primarchs. So some uh, Tartagal Yasugi. Of the White Scars, for example, speaks because the Khan isn't there and things like that. But the only voice in judgment is the Emperor's. He listens and then speaks. Um, sure. So he proclaims the edict. But it's sort of. Of course, there's also the Lion who subsequently gives zero shits about said edict. So, so <laughs> th- this, this becomes the problem. And different. Different legions react in different ways. Magnus and the Thousand Sons go, yeah, nah, don't care. Um, <laughs> because psychic, psychic ability is so deeply rooted in their legion that it's almost impossible to split out. So they are, in fact, I think all psychically active. Yeah. Because and, it, and, it's, and it's one of the most obvious examples of the, the shortcomings of the Emperor of Mankind mm-hmm. in that he is a gigantic idiot. Yeah, like on on par with with you. Sometimes I actually think that you might be the emperor of mankind, and that is why we are ultimately all screwed. <laughs> it's, it's that level of of ridiculous. Yeah, that, that he proclaims this while having created in uh, Magnus a Primarch who is purely psychic, and it, it makes no sense. <laughs> but it's not only so. Magnus is purely psychic, but like it's not only Magnus. So the Khan has psychic ability of some nature. Sanguinius yes, yes. and Conrad both do. Um, and there are librarians and there are psychers that are being used. And the Emperor himself and, is, is yeah, the most powerful psychic being there may have ever been. That's that that's the real kicker, basically. Both the Emperor and Malkador are phenomenally powerful psychers. But I guess um very fortuitously, I read Master of Mankind, as as I know you did, mm. very recently, which I, th- I think is it's the latest addition to the Horus Heresy series, right? Or no, there's there's been some since. Has there been some because um, there's, there's all the siege books now. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. But it, it is one of the later ones, certainly yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, one yeah, late, yeah, late, yeah. the latest in the timeline that I've read. Fair um, and, and in that, the Emperor does the sort of dwell on 
um, on what might eventually be the downfall of humanity. Like, you know, talks about uh-huh. it quite a bit. And I think psychic power is certainly for him the thing that will cause a a shift so big that it, you know it just causes something we cannot stop. So that's right. But I think his point is he's his plan is phenomenally long sighted. It is. So he he's mar- he's trying to operate in such a way as to marshal humanity towards some sort of species-wide psychic awakening, not dissimilar to the one that the Eldar had a long, yeah. long, long time ago, basically. And we all know how that how well that and we all know how that turned out. But I guess his point is if he's at the helm of humanity at the time of that psychic awakening, he'll be able to direct it, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, which in and of itself then becomes really fascinating, right? Because then we just got um, levels of hubris. Yeah, and then we just have tyrannid humans or humanids. Humanids. Uh, you know where he's the he is the hive mind, psychically controlling every. So everything. it's not yeah, it's not clear if that's if that's what he's looking at, or if he's looking at sort of raise humanity above their. I think I think what he's concerned about is if he doesn't get the imperial truth bedded throughout humanity before the psychic awakening, they'll have another slanesh. Yes, I think the, that's the, his yeah. Fear. That that's sort of the impression I got from uh, from that book and and some other things is. Mm. I I don't I don't think he's ever really trying to install himself as a despot although that's a, that's a whole separate debate and one that no. I'm really looking forward to um, but he he does he just sees oh shit this will happen mm. and the only way for this to happen that doesn't end in a total and utter disaster is is yeah with him guiding humanity through yeah. it I guess yeah which is a very noble um, cause I suppose you know but cause and sure. <laughs> results are not always the same sure and I guess we that we then look at the Primarch project as part of his way of of getting humanity to that stage. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that at some point cuz I just don't see it. No. The Primarch no. project is so misguided and goes against virtually everything. It's so, it, it yeah. I I was going to slightly tongue in cheekily assert that the causes of the Horus heresy are the Primarch project. And for once, that wouldn't be a stupid thing to say. I I don't even mean it in the really simplistic sense (laughs) of, thank you, uh, that you can't have a Horus heresy if there's no Horus. Well, yeah, quite. (laughs) But but more than that, I, I think that the Emperor's interactions with the Primarchs overall cause the Horus heresy. Like on a very simplistic level, I think that's what it is. And there's some really interesting tidbits thrown across the the Black Library books. So, for example, in Master of Mankind, as you said, uh, there's the interaction between the Emperor and a tech priest, uh, Arkenland, yeah. where they're... Um, Excuse me, where they're uh, doing tests on Angron, who is one of the Primarchs. And Angron has a form of technology that's been grafted onto his brain, basically, that makes him incapable of feeling anything other than rage. And any emotion other than rage is turned into higher levels of rage. Yeah, and the particularly fucked up thing about it is that the way they induce rage in him is by creating pain, which then is instantly turned into rage. Yeah, it's which, it's which is just mind-boggling. It's, it's foul. It's particularly tragic when you later learn that Angron is an empath. Oh yeah. So Angron, Angron was yeah. created essentially to be his his brother's shrink, essentially. And, and rather than that, he just gets turned into this towering ball of muscle and rage. Yeah. And he becomes an, an avatar of Corrin, and it's all it's all terrible and dramatic, and he becomes a caricature, and it's frustrating. But like in, in The Master of Mankind, 
when the Emperor is talking to Ark and Land about Angron, he is so dispassionate and so removed from this being that is the closest he will ever come to a son. It's really gorgeous. Yeah, but isn't isn't that just really interesting, right? Because um, what I liked about that book in particular is, yeah, his interaction with the Primarchs, or, or I guess uh, with, with um, Ark and Land about the Primarchs, he sees them as science projects. He, he does. He sees them as science projects and tools. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and whereas obviously we know that uh, the Primarchs themselves often talk about the Emperor as, as, as their father or yeah. something akin to that. And he just he just does not reciprocate that whatsoever. But what I thought was really interesting is that the way the Emperor interacts with um, some of the custodians, for example. Yes, so, so his bodyguards. Yeah, who who are humans that he's tinkered with. So the the distinction that was all I've always found really useful between space marines and custodians is that space marines are mass produced. Yeah, they it's like handcrafted. Yeah, so a custodian is taken apart basically as a as a pre pubescent uh, child and rebuilt from the ground up at a genetic level. Yeah. Which is a level of um, sort of effort that you don't go to to make space marines because you could make tens of thousands of space marines for the same level of effort that it takes to make a single custodian. Yeah, but, but as you say, it's it's the way that he interacts with them, and and I mean, look at Malkador the Sigilite, you know, the, the the most supreme power on Terra aside from the Emperor himself. Yeah, I I just get the feeling that he he does. He's fond of humanity, and he interacts with humans with with a kind of fondness, um, in a way that he does not interact with with his primarchs. No, let alone, think, let alone space marines. I think that's I think that's right. I think both the emperor and Malkador view the primarchs. They're just as, walking weapons. As walking weapons, it's exactly right. Tools, I think. Um, but but why on earth would you give a walking weapon a, a mind? And not just any mind, that, but some of the sharpest that's the problem. human minds you could have ever That's the, the real problem. So you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it one step further. What you said is that the Primarchs are the root cause of the Horus Heresy. Okay. And yeah, take that one step further and say... People who don't know how to do science <laughs> are the cause of A, everything that's wrong in the world now, and B, the cause of the Horus Heresy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Idiots, look- idiots like the Emperor of Mankind who just think, oh, it's easy. So, you see, <laughs> I, to, to my mind, to my uncultured and unscientific mind, it looks like the Emperor's science project succeeded because he successfully made the Primarchs. Right? Isn't isn't that it? Isn't that where science well, yes, it's, in some in some ways a human being kicks in? I think the problem is that the Emperor is a shit human being. <laughs> no, but his logic was fundamentally flawed. If if his if his idea were if his if his grand strategy plan is humanity is, is barreling towards something very bad. I must fix this. I will employ science to fix this. Yeah. Here is the experiment or the thing I've come up with to fix it. And, and in hindsight, we can all look at it and go, well, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> and I think we we wouldn't have even needed hindsight. I'm pretty sure you and I could have stood there next to the Emperor and gone, you know what, mate? Are you sure about this? This is going to go badly. So <laughs> This is we... going to go very wrong. Have you not read about Julius Caesar on Old Earth? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Weren't you there? Weren't you Aren't there? you Brutus? In fact, are you not just Caesar in a gold? Well, I guess Caesar was often depicted as wearing gold as well. I, I think <laughs> I think the emperor is meant to have been Brutus. Oh, as in he stabbed. Yeah, he's a ty- he's a tyrant killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's true. But or, then or he was just like in somewhere else at the at the time. Yeah, but it's all very frustrating because there's so much hubris built into the Primark project, right? It's there just is. the, the most aspect, gigantic... Take aspects of myself. Yeah, and make them look 
unbelievably cool, make them do great things, send them off into the universe. What's the worst that can happen? I well, know. fucking there's a, there's a really interesting line. I can't remember which book it's in. It's one of the sort of middle books of the heresy. And it's Malkador talking to, I think, Rogal Dorn, who's another one of the Primarchs, and he's the um, like the Emperor's uh, siege master. Basically, he defend he he builds the defenses on on Terra to hold back the heresy. Yeah. But when Malkador's talking to him, Malkador says something along the lines of, "I told him to make you all women because." Like you, you were less like like to fight if you were all women rather than all men. You're less or something. like to screw up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember the exact wording, and it's I, I'm, it's not annoying me. I can't do it justice. But that like even Malkador saw this coming. Yeah, and Malkador appears to be drinking all of the Kool Aid that gets made. In the of course, of course, but he's got a special relationship with the Emperor, as we all know. He does. <laughs> no. It's a fair point, I think. Making them all women would have been so much more sensible. Um, I, yes, it it probably would, but almost making them in the first place was the problem. Oh, 100%. 100%. Such an absolutely ridiculous, dumb thing to do. But... Um, in, in a world where, for example, you do have the Sisters of Silence... Yeah, who, whose loyalty I think cannot be questioned, and I don't mean that as in you know I, I can't question their loyalty. I think it 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 is you, you a physical. It's like a law of nature. That you think they, you think they be. weren't like the custodians because it is physically impossible for a custodian not to be loyal. Exactly, I think get, that that's it comes so, down so, to their genetic rewriting. Well, exactly. So he's got the technology to do that. But then he creates arguably the most powerful things he's ever created, and it's like, nah, I don't think I need that. Yeah, you got to. There's almost a question in there. But, so, I did think... he want to create the heresy? But I think he did do that to a couple. So I def- I'm fairly sure that there is something, in- and part of the problem here is that Forge World, which is another offshoot of Games Workshop, have started writing like Primark books that have more, like, lore in them that is just really hard to follow. But I'm fairly <laughs> sure one of those says that, like, Russ, for example, Lehman Russ, the Space Wolves Primarch, was given more freedom than others by the Emperor because his loyalty was never in question. Yeah. So that, that makes me wonder, is, is Russ sort of physically incapable of rebelling or did the emperor just yeah. trust him more but if the emperor trusted him more why not put him in charge well but maybe you answered that question for us a bit earlier because you're not wrong the emperor thinks unbelievably long term yes and sort of to, to, to cross stream with marvel a bit maybe he's doing the doctor strange thing it's like, this know, is the only seen, way. like five billion possibilities. This is the only way is we need Horus to to fall to chaos to save humanity down the line. Maybe. Maybe, but I In which case, well played. <laughs> I, I I cannot imagine that the Emperor's hubris would permit him to spend ten thousand years trapped in an ICU. And yes, I understand that for an immortal being, ten thousand years actually isn't that long. But like, I don't, I, I can't in my head square spending the entirety of the Great Crusade and the the conquest of the unification of Terra, promulgating a theory of secular truth, to so then become Jesus, and 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 then becoming Jesus, and just allowing that like. I don't. I, I. I can't square that in my in my head. I think he cocks up. I think it's entirely possible that he knew that there was a risk. He must have known that there was a risk that some primarchs fall because he he knows about the existence of chaos. Yes, but he must yeah. have known that that was a risk. And also, look at some of them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at 
Look at someone like Mortarian, right? What one? He's called Mortarian. <laughs> Two. I have never seen a being that looks more like the Grim Reaper than Mortarian. And three, he's so interested in poisons, it's actually ridiculous that he doesn't fall faster. Like the guy is already like you read his I can't even remember which is is his first book. It's like Flight of the Eisenstein, I think. It's like book four of the heresy. And you're like, uh, on page one, this guy's a walking advert for Nurgle. Oh, he's still uh, uh, Yeah. No, that was, that was honestly my first impression of him in that book. And I thought, oh, wow, he's, he's fallen already. This is, uh, you know, this is happening Drinking past. poisonous fumes. <laughs> what are you doing? Just, How is this alone? He's an absolute nutcase. But also, wrong. also, like, put, putting Mortarian to one side as a, as a caricature, he also makes Sanguinius. And if you're pr- promoting a secular mm. truth, don't make a literal angel. Right, Sanguinius has wings. Yeah. He looks like pictures of the archangel Michael. So, yes, but the idea is that aside from the emperor, nobody knows about that anymore. But and I so don't putting wings that's... on a person is but, just you know. But they have words like angelic. Right, the yeah. the dark angels, the blood angels, the angels sure. of death. Like sure, they, but they're they... just hangovers. Uh, it's interesting etymology. It's just the way that we use words that derive from Latin and Greek, and no one ever remembers that that's where they came from, or or even why they came from. That speak for yourself, uh, and I'll speak for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I my, my, my basic point is that he cocks up. And the Horus Heresy is the result of him being a bad father and nothing else. If you look at some of the Primarchs who fall, they fall precisely and only because he's a bad father. No, you can't say that because he he wasn't a father. He couldn't he couldn't care less about that. But that's the perhaps problem. if he'd actually cared. That's the problem. He wouldn't have been in this mess. That's we can argue about the semantics of whether his absolute lack of caring about his own creations makes him a bad father or not a father at all. But if you look at the ones that fall who look like they could be saved, right, you've got Lorgar. I reckon you can save Lorgar. Some say you might still. I'm not having that. Um, I mean... You will when they release him as a Primarch. <laughs> I'm, I, I, with, I'm both, so, with both chaos and non-chaos models, wouldn't that I'll be, be fantastic? It would be so... I, I mean, players, Warhammer players across the world would squeal. <laughs> you would. That would be a psychic awakening, I'll tell you. It, it really would. <laughs> no, but a, you're right. Because there's, there's, a million there's absolutely some. cried out in pain. Yeah. Uh, no, think, there think, are certainly some where you think... This could have been avoided. Take Lorgar, take Lorgar to one side and explain why you can't be worshipped as a god. Don't just punish him for worship for worshiping you. Give him a reason not to. Especially when you not the classic "I'm not a god," said the god. Especially when you know that if if this is something that this person is leaning towards, right, the desire yeah. to worship something, which is very common in, in humanity, um. Don't don't be dismissive when you know full well that there are gods, or, or what people will view as gods, out there. Yes, and the if minute you start watching the them, only, if you're not the only being on that power level, don't make them go and look for an alternative yeah. that's yeah. worse than you. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. He he really is the world's he's, biggest idiot. I th- I, I agree. Which is why he's in charge. <laughs> because somehow that's just how we how we roll. But yeah, I mean, Lorgar feels savable. Magnus feels savable. And I think, I yeah, think, yeah, Magnus is Magnus. It's just too much of a rogue element, though, isn't it? <laughs> so I, I think the problem with Magnus is much, much like the problem with with Lorgar. He's too smart to just accept the edict of Nikia. He basically goes, "That doesn't apply to me because." My father is psychic, and I'm psychic, and I've been conversing psychically with my yeah. father for longer than any of my brothers have known him. So, can't apply to me. Yeah, Take which Mag- is, is not unfair, I would say. No, I think this is the problem. <laughs> I mean, Magnus does an awful lot wrong, right? And and 
there is a pretty strong argument that everything that goes wrong is Magnus's fault. I was just about to come on to this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think that the Emperor is entirely blameless in Magnus's conduct. When I, when I say everything that goes wrong is, is Magnus's fault, do, do you want to take that one? <laughs> I mean, uh, I wouldn't say everything. He just happens to, you know, cause a little bit of something you might call the invasion of chaos into the mortal world. He he opens a portal to <laughs> hell inside the Emperor, basically in the Emperor's bedroom. It's so funny. Uh, which, of, of all the... Because it, it, when you read those books, it's always so weird. It's like, oh, we're in the Imperial Dungeon. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> and that, yeah, so... so No, he causes a, li- a little bit. A little bit of a problem. Which means that the Emperor is incapable of answering the threat posed by the heresy. He's trapped... Yeah, but it's a threat that he's engineered. Yes, but he's trapped in the Imperial Dungeon. Like, if Magnus doesn't do that, one, the Thousand thousand Sons stay loyal because Russ isn't sent to bring him to justice and the orders can't be changed by Horus such that Russ essentially kills the Thousand Sons. That doesn't happen. And, and Mag- also, Magnus he's, stands he... on terror. But the Emperor isn't uh, locked out because of that. I mean, he is. Well, we know he isn't. Because all he needed to do was sacrifice a thousand people a bit sooner. <laughs> okay. But that's <laughs> not a long... It ends up being a long-term solution, but that's not a long-term solution. What's a thousand humans when there's trillions lying around? <laughs> Quite a lot to those thousand humans. Yeah, but see, this is always the problem with your logic, isn't it? To that individual, yeah, well, you know, stop being an individual. Take one for the team. <laughs> and get what essentially looked like cremation in some sort of, like, stasis chamber. Not fun. No, not good. But for a good cause, maybe. <laughs> it gets the Emperor out of the chair for, like, ten minutes. Well, yeah. Ten, a very important ten minutes, though. He does, he does, <laughs> he does basically save the dungeon, but... But, but I think this, this brings us back, as obviously, yeah, Magnus, he does cause that, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but this is all interwoven with something that I've never really been able to get my head around, right? Mm-hmm. And I think is ultimately the reason why he the, the emperor creates the primarchs. Yes. Which is that he wants the crusade to continue, but he wants to go and do other things. And those other things in my mind are to do with the warp or, or you know, where, yeah. where chaos dwells. Yeah. In some attempt, presumably, to, to, to get rid of it. So, yes. Uh, what he's trying to do, as far as I've understood it, is so. How to explain this? You know, in 40k, human ships, human spaceships travel interstellar distances by traveling not through real space, but through a parallel dimension, which is the warp, which is the the realm of chaos, essentially. It's literally just the never never. Literally, it's just it's the never never. But they, they protect themselves by projecting essentially a reality field around them which staves off the, 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 the warp. But the fact that humanity is reliant on the warp is a massive hindrance to them. So what the Emperor is trying to do on Terra is connect Terra to the... Webway, which is essentially the Eldar or the Space Elves way of traveling interstellar distances. Mm, yeah, that's what he's trying to do. So if he can, if he successfully manages that and can decouple humanity from its reliance on the warp, that's another step along his path of saving humanity from the warp. I think is the plan. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because what is the webway exactly? 
Insofar as, as you know, or in fact anyone knows, it's. I, I'm not sure. It. I don't. I don't really it, know. Is it, is it a physical creation that the Eldar made, or so, is it a no, psychic thing? It's, the it's, Eldar it's made? not something that the Eldar made. The Eldar came to inhabit it after the war in heaven. Right. So it's, it's, it's just it's, it's just another the, dimension, essentially. It's a creation of the old ones. Oh God! Yeah, the old ones. It's pre-territory. Precursor race, essentially. <laughs> so even the, even the Eldar don't really know I mean, what it is, but the they same, can, they the same can old do... ones who made the fantasy world. Uh, yeah, those yeah, ones. Yeah. They're, they're the same worlds. I forget. Sorry. They're different. They can operate across universes. Uh-huh. I, I don't. I don't really understand the webway. I, I I can't. I can never work out. I think it exists inside the warp, but separated from it. Yeah, that was my my understanding of it. Recently, is it, it was some sort of physical construct created inside the warp by I think, something. I, think right. I, I sort of thought maybe it was the Eldar who made it. No, I think there is Eldar lore that they didn't make it. They just came to inhabit it as yeah. the preeminent race. Yeah, during the, the height the, of their empire. Yeah, because they are technologically much more advanced, and I think psychically much more advanced. They yes, they but are. Perhaps even the Emperor. That that's still not quite clear. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a bit like sort of Mass Effect protein relays. I think like they just exist and people have started. It just exists and people have started using it because it works. Yeah. So that, until that Magnus, is, <laughs> until Magnus, but that is that is what the Emperor. That's why the Emperor leaves the Great Crusade. He wants to go back and essentially play with his science kit. I think. But again, that's just such an odd decision, right? Why? Yeah, the timing. I mean, if, if you know you need the webway, why not pull all your generals and all your legions back, take the webway, and then it'll he, save you so uh, much time to actually go back to the crusade. No, because because what he's trying to do is connect to the webway. That's the whole point of the Golden Throne. The Golden Throne is going to, I think, end up as the way into the webway in Terra. That's it's like a direct it's what will link the Imperial Dungeon to the webway. Perhaps, yeah. It, it, I, I don't quite understand it. But it's, no, it's no, not I mean... it's, they're not trying to take the webway. That's not the that's not the intention. That's only becomes necessary after Magnus yeah, no, blows fair a enough, hole in fair it. Enough. I suppose that's true. Uh, so, I, th- yeah. I think the, the the Golden Throne is not going to last. No, I think there's there's a there's a, a bit of of lore floating around that there's something some big change coming. Yeah, I'm very concerned that the Emperor will come back. I'm very concerned about that. Cause as well. much more shit to go down. I'm quite. You know, you know what will happen, right? Okay. He's going to come back after they sacrifice. Probably, like I don't know. A billion people, because <laughs> that's what it's going to take. It's forty k. They're like, ah, we'll just sacrifice some people. And the, no sooner will he be up and about, will the emperor reincarnate for us, and oh, think, no. oh, this can never go wrong twice. That would be so bad. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to say will happen. <laughs> that would be so bad. Um. No, but um, in what is really becoming much too much of a theme for us, I think it's fair to say that we are in agreement that overall the Horus Heresy is caused by the Emperor's foolishness and hubris and idiocy and whatever else you might want to call it. I think think on a very high level, I think that's right. I mean, there are lots of specific moments that we can point to that cause the Horus heresy. So um Horus himself ending up wounded yeah. and being forced to seek healing at the Serpent Lodge on Davin is actually what causes the Horus heresy. Sure, and, sure. And, and and shit like that. And but but you might want to you could even argue that and not 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 the Emperor creating Horus, because that is a bit too simple, yeah. If you don't create Horus, there's no Horus heresy. Um but just the course of action that the Emperor takes throughout any of this, the fact that he knows that the Chaos Gods are out there, the fact that he is the anathema to the Chaos Gods, which which I think he knows he is. I think so, yeah. And yet he does nothing 
um, to, to, to warn the Primarchs or to, or to, I don't know, he doesn't give them any of the right tools. There is a justification given for that. I don't find it persuasive, but there is one given. And the justification given is given by Malkador to Dorne. And Malkador essentially says, look, we you were built in such a way that it is not possible for you to know that a thing exists and not seek to understand it. That's that's in, intrinsic to Dorne's nature. And... No, quite, but that, doesn't, but that doesn't really work, though. We couldn't tell you about chaos without you trying to understand it, and in seeking to understand it, you might have fallen. Sure. But I guess I, my, my, my counterpoint to that is just sort of vaguely pointing at Perturabo and going, he's the, the same. And he, like, he did fall. So your, your theory didn't work. Yeah, quite. <laughs> and, and it also, it, it all stems from the Emperor, who presumably did seek to understand the Chaos Gods. Maybe still is, and, maybe he did understand them. And did a deal with them. And did a deal with them, exactly. As far as we know, on, on Molek, the Emperor and, and so did surely... a deal with them to get the Primarchs. Oh, God, yeah, that, that's just a whole other level of fucked up, really, isn't it? Um, but you have to you have to wonder would a wiser course of action not have been prepare for the eventuality that your superhuman generals that you've created to be as superhuman as possible mm. uh, might eventually find out what the Chaos Gods are, then will seek to understand them. And then, because they're out of sight... Fuck knows. Whereas you could have just essentially stood behind them with a Stayed gun. on the crusade. <laughs> um, Why not? I mean, you're building them. Just put bombs in their head. Just put bombs in their head. It's just a suicide squad. But again, that's the Emperor's hubris, right? He knows that he doesn't need doesn't to do that, because should it come to a fight, he will just annihilate them, as he did to all Taurus. As he does Hopefully. to Horus, but he also... I refuse to accept that the Emperor's wounding at the hands of Horus is... Deliberate, like I, ju- I just refuse to accept that. And deliberate uh, by him, you mean? By him, yeah, yeah. I, I refuse to accept that that is part of some greater plan. Well, you I... know what? I'm go- this is where we are going to disagree. I think this is all part of the emperor's big plan. Okay. Um, we'll never I... find out, mind you. We'll, but... we'll never. Fi- <laughs> we'll, we probably will find out because the Siege of Terra books are drawing to a close. And the last of those books will have the Emperor's wounding at the hands of Horus. Sure. And but then what? Then there's 10,000 years of nothing. But, yeah, I mean, that'll just be the end of, of the Horus Heresy books. And yeah. Games Workshop will need to look for a new way to make loads of money. Because because for it to have been a deliberate act, there there has to be a conclusion to that story arc at some point. Yeah, yeah and that conclusion, I suspect, will be the reincarnation of the Emperor. Yeah. In the "quote unquote" modern canon, yeah. After they've released uh, a thousand Primarch models, even though there's only like what eighteen left, fifteen left. I don't know how many died. Fuck, who's left? Um, uh, Horus Sanguinius, Hor- Horus Sanguinius, uh, Ferris. Definitely, all definitely dead. Um, Kurz is dead, isn't he? Kurz definitely dead. Yeah, so we're probably looking Alfarius at something like 16. definitely dead, but Omegon uh, is still alive. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you can't say that with those two. Cause... No, Alpharius is dead, Omegon is alive. Yeah, but, but their entire legion is more or less just them. No, but but you get... When Alpharius <laughs> dies, the next chapter, you're inside Omegon's head, and he wakes up as Omegon, and then assumes the role of Alpharius. Alpharius is dead, Omegon is alive. We'll fight people on this point. Oh no, how terrifying. <laughs> uh, uh, so no, there's many models to be released yet. There are many models to be released. And then we will probably see the Emperor action. I, I, I think he will come back. The The big problem there is, what's he going to come back to? There's nothing scary to fight. What? Uh, the Tyranids. The bad and the, the spoiler. The Tyranids, yeah. The, the, Tyranids, the Tyranids are the big bad, I think. Tyranids versus Humanids. You heard it here first. Oh god. If that actually, if that actually turns out to be true, I, I will insist on you buying me some sort of. If it's true, recompense. I'll buy you some humanids. <laughs> All right, you're on. That's a deal. Right. Emma, if you if you happen to be listening, um, sorry. 
I'm not buying you that many. <laughs> Yeah, even one model probably costs about 50 quid by then. So that's true. It's true. Right. No, I think I think I think that's it. I think we have a a high level conclusion which is that the cause of the Horus heresy is the emperor's hubris. Yeah, yeah. Not not the simple answer that we that we both suggested at one point. Um no, it's a hubris. Which is the creation of the prime <laughs> yeah. Um the emperor is an idiot. And this is a topic that I think we will expand on. I have, no, I have many no more times. I have no doubt. He's an idiot on so many of the big things, really. Um, although Horus himself is as well. He he's kind of weak willed, which is ultimately why he falls. Yeah, weak willed and, and and jealous, right? Because I think that yeah, there's he's, he he just he's, can't get over the fact that he isn't actually the best. He's phenomenally easily manipulated yeah. by Erebus. And also, as you say, jealous, not only jealous of the emperor, but like jealous of his own brothers as well. Like there's a really good interaction in Fear to Tread, which is the Sanguinius, first of the Sanguinius books, where Hor- it becomes apparent that Horus doesn't want to turn Sanguinius. Never mind how useful he would be to the cause, Horus doesn't want to turn him. Because Horus thinks that Sanguinius is better than him, and he yeah. can't stand the idea of being not the best. But he is Sanguinius is better than him. I mean, Sanguinius is better than him. As a matter of fact, there is definitive evidence in a few podcasts ago that I presented that many of the Primarchs are in fact better than Horus. True, <laughs> it's true. You you did whereas, present that evidence. Whereas whereas you were misled by his faux grandeur. I was I was misled by the the Imperium's own propaganda. Quite right, you see. <laughs> right. I think on on that um, heresy that was on that heresy. Let's that uh, heresy. let's wrap up our talk about the Horus heresy. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know. Rate the podcast and leave us a comment or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, uh, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. If you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Now, in our next episode, to mark our 20th, we're going to take a step back to talk Total War. And ask where CA will go following Warhammer 3. We're also excited to announce our next guest, who's never had a real job and for more than 10 (laughs) years has been making his living playing Total War. So join us then for more real nonsense.